Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player Podcast. I'm your host, J215 Forever. Follow your boy on IG, and on my IG page is the podcast page that is at Know Your Role Player underscore podcast. That's K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R underscore podcast. The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. That's anchor.fm backslash know your role player it's k-n-o-w-y-a-r-o-l-e-p-l-e-y-e-r all right now whether you have apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher radio public iheart radio or many many more you will get notifications like the episode you are currently listening to becomes available all right all right guys welcome back welcome back welcome back today is monday march 13th and we got a lot to get to so listen Let's just jump right into it. So after watching last night's games, I've come to a, I wouldn't say an epiphany, right? But before we get into last night's games, I just want to go through all the night's picks real quick. Uh, Pacers and Pistons are already in control. We'll skip that one. Uh, Timberwolves and Hawks are underway. I'm going to take it to Hawks at home. Even though they don't play defense still, they are a little bit more cohesive with uh, Quinn Snyder as the head coach. Jazz and Heat, Miami is favored by eight and a half. I think the Jazz, they, they didn't even try versus um Charlotte the other night. I think they'll put up a better effort, but Miami needs this game. Eight and a half is a lot of points, so this is basically a blowout comes getting close again. I'll take the Heat. I'm taking Jazz plus eight and a half. I'm sorry. Uh, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Memphis about four. I'm definitely taking the Memphis about four. They just played the other night. I thought a lot of Memphis's best players were in shooting kind of rusty. They weren't really playing that great. So I'll definitely take Memphis minus four on the road in the bounce back game. Celtics and Rockets. Celtics have to win by 13. I'm going to take the Celtics to win by 13. Um, I think this game might be close in the first quarter. They might even be down. But Brown and Tatum are going to go off in this game. It's going to be a ton of threes, a ton of fast pace, not too much defense. And I think that the Boston Celtics will win this game by 13 points, all right? And last game, this game's on ESPN. Suns and Warriors. Golden State is favored by four and a half. All right, so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going with the Suns. The Golden State four and a half doesn't make sense to me. I'll get into the Golden State uh, Milwaukee game in a second. But listen, they can't rebound. They can't really defend. And if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson don't play out of their minds, I don't see how they're going to win games. Now, this will probably be a good statement win. Steph Curry always gets up for Chris Paul, so we'll see what happens there. And last but not least, Milwaukee is favored by two over the Kings at home. So this is a one-trick deal, right? If Giannis plays, Milwaukee will definitely win because they literally can't do nothing with him, right? And even though most teams in the league can't get do nothing with him, he'll give he'll keep put he has a chance to put Sabonis in foul trouble. Constantly attack the rim, uh, be a be a passing, be a finishing threat to Drew Holiday. Defensively, he just he, he just not good for a mo for a Kings team that doesn't play a lot of defense. All right, now with all that being said, and uh, Kings have to win by two. Excuse me, Milwaukee has to win by two. I like Milwaukee to win by two. All right, with all that being said, I gotta talk to a couple of games from last night. Right, so real quick. The Brooklyn Nets won 122 to 120 over the Denver Nuggets. And this is the third or fourth game that the Denver Nuggets have lost in a row. 
Uh, yeah, they lost to Brooklyn, one twenty-two to one twenty. They lost a terrible game, but they're like a thirteen-point favorite to the Spurs, one twenty-eight to one twenty, and they lost to the Bulls, one seventeen to one twenty. Now you see a consistent theme in here. They're giving up a ton of points, and it's a point of emphasis that the Denver Nuggets do not play any defense, right? And so it's kind of counterproductive when I say that, right? Because in a sense. You're like, well, if the Denver Nuggets don't play any defense, how, how are they number one? Listen, they've done what they were supposed to do, and they beat the teams that they needed to beat, all right? They won the games that they needed to win, and Nikolai Jokic has been phenomenal for most of the season. But the last four games, the defense has been bad, and they've been going at them. The Chicago Bulls are probably the first team that literally in that fourth quarter, play after play. Jokic pick and roll, attack Jokic off the dribble, attack Jokic finishing the rim, you know. If Jokic did recover, you pass to somebody else and you go attack the rim again. And he kind of struggled with that, man. They did it time and time again, and they're on a four-game losing streak. Funny enough, the Sixers are on a five-game winning streak. So, right, you see what I'm cooking up here, right? So now Philadelphia is 45-22, and while Denver is 46-22. and that means the MVP is one game back. Now, you're probably thinking, hey, that don't matter. You know, in front of the Sixers is still Boston and Milwaukee. Only other guy, I don't think Jason Tatum could win the MVP over Joel Embiid, but the only other guy that could legitimately do it is Giannis. Now, Giannis, it comes down to games missed. All these guys have missed some games except for Jokic. That's the one thing he stands out for. But a couple of other things is interesting for Philly, the up-and-coming schedule, right? So let's just look at the next couple of games for Philly. In the next couple of games for Denver. So, Philly up next has Wednesday they have Cleveland at Cleveland. Friday they have at Charlotte. And Saturday they have at the Pacers, right? Now, they should take care of business, right? Let me just let me just go through the rest of their schedule because we got about a month left in the season. Then they have Chicago on the home and the road. Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, Dallas, Toronto. This is all consecutive games, guys. Uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Brooklyn. Now, we'll have to see who will be playing meaningful games, but most of these teams are still going to be jockeying for position the way how tight the East and Western Conference is, and this is huge. Now, I said one thing on purpose there. Monday, March 27th versus Denver at 930 then we got Sunday, uh, April 2nd at 8 o'clock versus Milwaukee. If Embiid can dominate those two games and they win a majority of these games, they should rip off, rip off automatically the next three. All right? And they shouldn't have no problems with Chicago. Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, Dallas, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston. That's what we're going to see what the Sixers team is made of. And they should be playing most of these games, right? They've been happy. Excuse me. They've been healthy. Guys have been coming together. You know, with the addition of Tyrese Maxey back in the starting lineup, they've been doing whatever they needed to do as far as scoring. Maxey has been much better as a starter than off the bench. I just don't think he responded well to that role, right? A couple of other things. As I read this home stretch, it is some difficult games, but listen, the path is here, right? And for most of the season, even at the midway point, you saw a lot of ESPN writers was like, hey, if the NBA season ended today, I would vote for Nikolai Jokic. And I didn't have an argument for him. Y'all saw what I gave it up. I gave it up to Jokic. I said I thought he was better than Embiid. Um, I still think he does better than Embiid. And part of that rant was just kind of being fr- frustrated 
with Embiid's lack of rebounding, but I got to understand that Embiid does some things that Jokic doesn't do, and Jokic does some things that Embiid doesn't do, right? And one of the obvious things is always passing. And so when it comes down to passing, Embiid's a solid passer. You know, if you double him, he can find the right guy, but a lot of times, to be honest with you, he'll just shoot over a guy. He'll shoot over a double team, and he'll make these shots. And that's so impressive, but in the other side, if you double Jokic, dog, Denver put up 200 points on you. Leaving Michael Porter Jr. open, leaving Jamal Murray open, you know, leaving KCP open, you're in trouble. So it's just interesting to see how that works with Embiid. You know, these on and off numbers, the Sixers are terrible without him. Uh, he has to do so much, you know. The other thing about defense is numbers don't always help. You have a lot of defensive advanced stats that we use now, but there's not really a stat to for you can see when a guy looks at Joel Embiid and he's driving to the paint and he's like, nah, I got to pass this ball. There's no, there's no real, there's no real thing for that, you know. Being a shot deterrent for having rim, uh, defensive rim presence, there's not really a thing. So there are some defensive metrics, but I still think defense has a long way to go. It's probably best used for the eye, um, you know, watching game tape as far as what you can evaluate as. All right. Now, as I talked about Denver, excuse me, as I talked about Golden State, let me double back down and go to Denver's schedule. All right, so Denver coinc- uh, definitely has some, eh, have a decent schedule up. All right, so listen, the season ends April 9th, so this is the rest of Denver's schedule. At Toronto on the 14th, Thursday at Detroit, Saturday at the Knicks, Sunday at Brooklyn, Wednesday at Washington, Saturday at Milwaukee, Monday at F- Monday home versus Philly, Thursday, home versus the Pelicans. Friday, at Phoenix. Sunday, home versus Golden State. Tuesday, at the Rockets. Thursday, at Phoenix. Saturday, at Utah. And the last game of the season is versus Sacramento Kings. Like I said, that Sixers game, and they both, funny enough, they both play the Bucks and play each other. So that Sixers game, that Bucks game, and Denver has to kind of right this ship. Jokic's got to be a little bit better defensively. So, I'm going to legitimately say it's a, I think it should be about, maybe even if it's 60-50, me personally, I would say 50-50 right now, and these last games will decide it. Like I said, these games are very meaningful. With the standings as tight as they are, you know, you're going to need all these games and all these wins. So as I talk about the standings, let me just jump back into that real quick. All right. <sighs> okay, so... Looking at the standings, if you go back up and Milwaukee is 48 and 18, 48 and 19, Boston is 47 and 21, Philly is 45 and 22, Cleveland 43 and 27, Brooklyn is 39 and 29, and Knicks are 40 and 30, 10 games over 500, right? And you have the teams below the sixth seed, Milwaukee, excuse me, Miami 36 and 33, Atlanta 34 and 34. And Toronto thirty two and thirty six, and Chicago thirty one and thirty six. Then you got teams below the play in tournament: Indiana thirty one and thirty seven, Washington thirty one and thirty seven, Orlando twenty eight and forty, Charlotte twenty two and forty eight, and the Detroit Pistons is fifteen wins and fifty three losses. All right, and then you look on the other side with Denver; they're forty eight and twenty six, Sacramento's forty and twenty six, Memphis is forty and twenty six. Uh, you got. A game separating Phoenix, Clippers, and Golden State. Or Golden State with 35, the Clippers with 36, and Phoenix with 37. 
a game and a half separates all three of those teams. And then in the playing tournament, you got Minnesota and Dallas were both 34 and 34. And then Utah and OKC both 35 and 35, right? And then right outside there, you got the Lakers and Pelicans hanging on at 33 and 35 too. So this thing is crazy, right? So the Lakers are three, two games back at the fifth seed, right? But they're also two games of having the third worst record in the Western Conference. And so they can't blow these games, right? And so as I bring it all the way back to the games from last night and talking about how, you know, I was just really disappointed in the Nuggets, I thought they would bounce back after losing a terrible game to the Spurs and just they they weren't good, man. Jamal Murray, even though he hit five or six from the three-point line, he was taking some bad shots. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., whose defense has definitely been improved, had a couple of really bad turnovers. And Mike Malone kind of got in the Mike Malone bag to where he's frustrated with uh, Porter Jr. and kind of benches him and doesn't really bring him back until a later point of the game. I just didn't think as a coach he managed that game well. A um, couple of other things. As far as the Brooklyn Nets, Spencer didn't really, really had it, had at it today. He had 16 assists and 15 points, and he constantly dribbled penetration, was feeding other guys, right? And then Mikel Bridges, yo, is Mikel Bridges a star now, right? And I asked myself that 25 points, uh, 7 out of 16 from the field, 3 out of 8 from the three-point line, three rebounds, and two assists. This is a consistent night-after-night performance of being the number one option on a team that's going to the playoffs. Now, we'll see what they do in the playoffs, but he's been good, man. And, man, that's probably the best thing they got at that Durant deal. Uh, A couple of other things, like I said, even though Jokic's defense wasn't great, I have to give credit where credit is due. He did play phenomenal offensively, right? 20 rebounds, 11 assists, and 35 points in 39 minutes. Unfortunately, he missed a game-winning shot. He had a couple of chances down at at the end of the game. Um, You know, Michael Porter Jr. did play well, but again, 23 minutes. Like I said, he had a couple of bad turnovers, and Mike Malone just didn't put him back in the game, something I do not agree with, and it's completely unsustainable, right? And so that was pretty much that. Uh, Also, a couple things to note, Nick Claxton with 20 points. Like, he is not much of an offensive player. If anything, he's a rebounder, an energy player, and a great defender. But for him to give you 22, I just I just don't like that for the de- defense, right? A couple other games I want to talk about before I get y'all out of here. The Wizards and Sixers, I thought this game would be a little bit closer. You know, sometimes after the Sixers have big wins or consistent play, they kind of lull you to sleep with kind of playing down to certain competition. I thought they did a great job of not doing that. This game after the first half was never really close. Harden and B did what they had to do, and B just every day efficiently 30-plus points. And with Harden being such a great, phenomenal uh, passer, he gets and B such easier shots, you know. It's either that 12-foot mid-range shot or, you know, the pick and roll. When B doesn't necessarily roll to dunk, he kind of rolls to kind of teardrop floater. But it's good, man. And B's a bit, listen, it's now or never. You know, I know a lot of people last year thought B had his chances, but... Jokic was probably a little bit better last year, but the team wasn't as good. The team's better, but to me, the Sixers are way better. Now, you'll hear other people make the argument, but, oh, what about the teammates? Well, according to the NBA, James Harden's not an all-star player anymore. So, yeah. All right, a couple other things. I don't want to keep this pod too, too long, but I do want to talk about some stuff. So, OKC is pretty frustrating, right? And I talked about them a little bit earlier, it being right on the outside of the play-in tournament, but they're doing this thing now where Shea Gillius Alexander doesn't play back-to-backs or injury management. 
Now, when he does play the night before, he plays about 38 minutes. But, you know, with this strategy, it's almost like they're trying to make sure that they don't make the playoffs, right? Um, you never see a team purposely lose. They're always going to put out five guys to go out there that's going to do what they're supposed to do, right? But I just, I need them to go for it, right? Now, even if he can't go, I need them to make sure as a team they go for it. I don't want to start seeing random guys I've never heard of getting 35 and 38 minutes, right? Also, Jalen Williams, even though Paolo Benchero is the runaway rookie of the year, this guy has been a stud. 23 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds in 35 solid minutes, man. Uh, I, I can't be, you know, I think he was a second-round pick from Santa Clara, originally a Golden State Warrior that they traded a pick to, like, Man, uh, Josh Giddy did a double-double for 15-5. and five. Uh, Didn't shoot too great from the field at 6-16. And Lou Dort had 12 points. Uh, a couple other things. Dario Sarge played good, too. Uh, in 18 minutes, he had 7 rebounds, 10 points, and 3 assists. So good for Sarge finding his way back. And they just did what they had to do versus a Spurs team that isn't that good, right? <sighs> All right. A couple of other things, and I want to get you all out of here that I'm noticing one is a philosophy thing, right? So the NBA has a contract, um, you know, you have a new TV deal, and it's going to be reported that some people can make it mean 70 and $80 million a year. Now, I am never one to tell what a player is not worth. You are worth whatever contract they give you. But at the same time, there has to be a responsibility by that GM to know what this contract is worth and make sure this player is going to play up to this contract or overperform, right? And I say better to say, I have no problem with the players getting way more money than they do now. The NBA is a, it's a great business. But this not playing back-to-back, not playing this game, not playing that game, when you're perfectly healthy, I think it's starting to take its toll, right? I don't think players ever or fans are ever going to just stop supporting. I think they love the game too much. But me personally, I'm over it. You know, you heard Charles Barkley talk about it. You heard Stephen A. Smith talk about it the other day on his podcast. I just don't like it, man. Like, he played basketball four days a week. Even KD was talking about online how they got the best training staff, the medical field, and everything they have, but yet they're still struggling. You know, they're still struggling to keep guys healthy. They're still, guys are still getting hurt, even with all this rest and recovery. And I understand that the pace is much faster, and they don't play as much defense, and there's much more pressure on you to defend. But I don't know, man. We have to find a happy medium somewhere, all right? Couple of news and notes, couple of news and notes before I get y'all out of here. Um, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are ruled out Monday versus the Lakers. Uh, excuse me, Monday versus the Grizzlies. Last game I wanted to talk about real quick was the Lakers, right? And so the Knicks and Lakers played a really tough game on Sunday. Uh, after Julius Randle had a really bad game this weekend, <clears throat> after Julius Randle had a really bad game this weekend, he really did bounce back on Sunday night, and the Lakers did what they had to do. Uh, if I could find that score, one twelve to one hundred eight, right? And he just came out in the first quarter aggressive. Thirty three points. R.J. Barrett had twenty of his thirty points in the second half, and they did what they needed to do. But if you wonder why they beat the Lakers, it's a couple of things, and it's a thing that I'm starting to get worried about the Lakers shooting, right? So D'Angelo Russell played phenomenal. He had six of eleven three pointers. But they're role players, hashtag know your role players and shooters. Michael Beasley, two for eight. Uh, Austin Reeves, one for two. Troy Brown Jr., 0 for seven. 
shooting is probably going to be the only real downfall of the Lakers. But if you looked at why they lost this game, Anthony Davis said it was on him. So I expect him to bounce back and play better. Uh, but he said it was on him. He finished 8-18 from the field. He was all right. He was active. He was good defensively. But 17 points isn't enough when you have to win every game, as I talked about earlier, how close this, re- uh, how close this race is. Now, i got to talk about one more game before I get you out of here. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. So, <laughs> this, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? So, the Warriors and the Bucks. Uh, the Warriors defeated the Bucks one twenty five to one sixteen, and I don't know where I'm ranking the Steph games, but in regular season, this was an underrated game, right? The Warriors are pretty much were getting outplayed throughout most of this game. They were getting killed on the glass. Bobby Portis was doing whatever he wanted to on the glass. Uh, it just they were they were competing, but they just weren't getting it done. And it was kind of at a point where, hold on, y'all. Uh, Steph Curry really just took over towards the end of the game. So he gets a block towards the last play of the game. And in overtime, he consistently scores, pick and roll, get Holiday off of him before even Brooke Lopez has a chance to step up. Three, bang. And I don't want to say he saved your season because I just think the Warriors are still going to make the playoffs. But they need every single win they can get. And he was phenomenal, man. Uh, 36 points. Six rebounds, four assists, 13 to 27, six out of 15. Not great shooting numbers, but big clutch shots, big defense, and a great performance by an all-time great player, man. And you love to see it. You love to see it. It was a little disappointing. Even without Giannis, the Bucks had did enough to win this game. Uh, I was definitely disappointed. Well, no, I, I can't really see that. Everybody played well. Grayson Allen finished in double figures. Holiday finished with 18, 9, and 8. Brooke Lopez, who doesn't rebound. Seven rebounds, 19 points. Chris Middleton, 19 points, three rebounds, five assists. And Bobby Porter's 15 and 13, you know. But with all that being said, imagine this. The Warriors out-rebounding the Bucks, 65 to 48. That's the game. That in three-point shooting was probably a little even. The Warriors had 23 threes while the Bucks at 21. But that rebounding discrepancy and also how they fell apart towards the end of the game, you don't want to worry about it too much with Giannis being out, but... I didn't love it for Milwaukee. And Milwaukee is another team that towards this last end of a stretch, they kind of got to find their groove. You know, um, you hear a lot of players talking about the playoffs, the playoffs, and they kind of boot in the regular season to have a great playoffs. Well, we better have make sure we have a great playoffs, right? One last thing before I talked about it. The Knicks bounce back really good on Sunday night because Saturday night, they got to hand it to them. Now, these all, um, afternoon games... They're always a little weird, and the last game I want to talk about was the Knicks and Clippers because I just saw one thing. Kawhi Leonard is back, right? Now, we'll see how many games he plays going forward, but he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, He finishes with 38 points, four rebounds, two assists, three out of six from the three-point line, 14 to 22 uh, 22 points from Paul George, eight rebounds, eight assists, but he did whatever he wanted to. He played with him. He hit shots, open threes. He was attacking the mid-range, getting guys on his hip, hitting that mid-range, turn around, post jump shot, bang, get into the rim, an explosive going to the rim. Kawhi's a lot bigger than he used to be, so I don't believe all his quickness is there because I just think he was a different type of athlete. He's just a lot stronger now, but um, he definitely looked really explosive, and he looked good, man. He's ready to go. You know, and you definitely see some improvement with the Clippers. Their pace has improved. 
everything is in Westbrook's fault. And when Westbrook is on a new team, there's always an adjustment. But I, I like what I'm seeing from the Clippers, man. I want, I want to see some more consistent play from some of the role players and maybe a rotation that makes sense. You know, you're seeing that um, Robert Covington didn't play today, but he was getting minutes off the bench the other day. Uh, the Clippers bench is also wildly inconsistent, so we'll see what they do from there. But listen, you get Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard to play great. You're going to have yourself a day, all right? We are going to wrap it up right there. I appreciate all the love. Please like, share, and subscribe. Hashtag K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-E-Y-E-R. And I will talk to y'all Wednesday, all right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hashtag Know Your Role Player. I appreciate all the love support. Y'all have yourselves a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Peace.